welcome to Alter to the Muse, episode 13. I'm Josh. And I'm Angie. And this episode is called Being Professional. So we wanted to talk about what it means to be professional, to be a professional creative. Uh, and so what is the definition of being a professional? And as we were talking just a moment ago before we turned everything on to record, we both agreed that what defines being a professional is making money at doing it. It's 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 your living. It's what you do to, to pay your bills. It's what you're committed to in, in terms of a career. Um, it doesn't mean that uh, it's not fun, but it isn't something you do just for fun. It isn't a hobby. It isn't just an interest you're following. It is something you've decided to commit to as a way to earn a living. Yeah, and... Um... I guess the, the, the reason we kind of were talking about this or to bring it up is I was sharing with my students this uh, past week a, a story of uh, a musician named Dave Gruel who um, was a drummer for a band called Nirvana and then later became a guitarist and lead singer of a group he formed called the Foo Fighters. And they have a fairly popular song from back in the late 90s called Everlong. And he was telling the story about how that song came about. And while he was telling the story, he was very open about how little he knew about music about what he was playing like he would he was sitting in a in an isolation booth in the recording studio and he started playing this chord and he's like I have no idea what this chord is I know nothing about the guitar I put my fingers here and it sounded cool and that was basically the the inspiration and what I was sharing with my students is that we get really wrapped up in this idea of credentialing that you have to have a certain number of credentials to even consider yourself a professional at something. And in the music world, especially popular music world, the amount of credentials is extremely limited. Um, it, my daughter was looking up like schools and education and things like that. I said, okay, you know, look up Billy Joel's education. <laughs> And, you know, he, he finished high school <laughs> or maybe not quite. And these are these are um, <clears throat> people who are highly successful. Right. And Bruce Springsteen went to community college, I think. Yeah. We found out. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we'll have to double check, but that's what I. Yeah. That's what it looked like yeah. when we were looking at it. And, and, and certainly all of the musicians that I grew up like idolizing um, never went anywhere. And I know like Frank Zappa spent a semester or two at a community college and promptly quit um, to pursue his career. And so the, um, the idea of what it means to be a professional is not necessarily related, especially in the creative fields, um, to having particular credentials. Yeah, I think especially in the creative fields. I think I was listening to an interview with Michael Fronty, and he was saying that um, I don't remember if he um, 
went to college or not. He did. That, he played basketball in college. Okay, yeah, I couldn't remember. But that's but what he was saying was that he was he was trying to make a living being a musician. And um, one day he had to decide that he was an artist. Like he felt like he had a conversation with a friend and he had to actually make the choice that he was an artist and he made like business cards and maybe some posters and and like to him that's when he actually embraced the role of being an artist of being a musician who was an artist right we use those words interchangeably in the field of of music less so in in the fine arts but um anybody can do that like all to be an artist all you need to do is like decide you're going to wear the robe of the artist like you decide that now I'm an artist and I'm going to live the life of an artist and that's about it you can get a degree you know I have a fine arts degree a bachelor of fine arts I have a I have a master of arts degree I was just thinking about this credentialing earlier today because I don't have a um I don't have a a, a finite degree like I don't have the the end cap of a degree like a PhD is the the end end degree or an MFA is an ending degree but the MA is is not and so in a way um, you know in in the professional art world those are those are credentials that sometimes mean something I think to people maybe in an academic field but in the world of making art and selling art, and teaching on your own, you don't need those things. The only thing you need to do is make art. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's a um, that's so. It's such a amazing. It's so I I have even less uh, formal education than Angie does, um, as far as my music studies go, and I I just never felt like it would make me a better teacher to go back to school to study education. Um, I always felt like the, the way that I improve at being an educator is by teaching and really analyzing my practice and focusing on how to be better at connecting to the students that I'm engaging with. And I, I always felt like when I was in ed classes after you know, postgraduate ed, ed classes, that it was, it wasn't really doing that. It was, it was doing something different. And the, the people that I was studying with weren't in classrooms with the age of students that I was dealing with. And so it, for me, it was always like, oh, this isn't really, this isn't really going to make me a better teacher. Right. Well, I think that's at the heart of anything. Like you get really good at the thing you do a lot. And while getting degrees and certificates, and I'm definitely uh, an addict to the certificate <laughs> world, but um, the those things don't make you better at what you do. Not necessarily, right? They might give you a little bit more experience, right? They might give you some information, but they are not the 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 crux, the root, the meat of the of the work, right? They are um, they're a way to it, but they're not the only way. And the real way, I think the real way, like you were saying, is that you got to do it. You got to be in the classroom. You got to be teaching, and every day, over and over, week after week, year after year, and that's what 
gives you the experience and the wisdom and the know-how, right? Because these are things that you only get better at by doing. Yeah, I want to jump in and just be really clear that there are certain things that I would absolutely want someone to be credentialed in. <laughs> um, uh, like, I would like the the person who is operating on me to have been through med school. Right, but part of what they do is they go through med school, but then they have to... Do a practicum. Yeah, they have to mm-hmm. intern. Yes. They have to have years of that experience. And and I will say this, too, that the, the gentleman who I saved our daughter's life was doing cutting-edge stuff with dialysis on kids using adult dialysis machines because they didn't have kid dialysis machines. And so there wasn't a training program for him to go through to do it. It was pay really close attention to what's happening, tweak the machine so that you can do what you're doing and save lives. Yeah, and he definitely saved our daughter's life. Yeah. With an adult dialysis machine. Yeah, and that's... But, so, so, yeah, before we (laughs) go on these tangents, I guess what we're really talking about is, you know, specifically about the arts. Yes. I think when we talk about credentialing, we're really specifically talking about the arts. And again, it's not to say there isn't value in credentials, that there isn't value in degrees, because there can be. But... It shouldn't be the thing that blocks you, that keeps you from doing something. Because all you need to do is decide to be an artist, decide to be a musician, and then go do those things. Or whatever else. You know, we're artists and musicians, so we tend to think in that lens. But whatever creative act, you want to be a dancer, then just start dancing, will you? You know, you've got to do it. Right, or even even the idea of, like, I'm going to open up a cupcakery. You know that I you you love making cupcakes, so do you need to go to chef school to make cupcakes professionally? I am of the opinion that no, you don't. Right, you could have. That could help. Yeah. It could be a path to doing that, but you might just love making cupcakes every single day, and you do it for months and months or years and years. And that's enough experience to actually decide, yeah, I could do this. I don't mind making cupcakes every day. <laughs> right, and because you show up every day to do it. And, and then how do you know if you're any good? Well, I suppose if people keep coming back and buying them, you know, and you're not, you know, you're not poisoning people or whatever, then it, it's... And if you're thinking of opening a cupcakery, can we ask that you do a vegan one? We yes. really could use one. Couple Anyways, maybe we'll save that for another podcast. <laughs> but if you're out there and you're listening, yeah. there's a need in the market. There is. Absolutely. Vegan cupcakes absolutely need to be a thing <laughs> out in the world, especially in Vermont. <laughs> absolutely. So... <laughs> anyway, so yeah, back on track. <laughs> back to being a professional, right? So, credentials could be good. You don't need them. What you need to do is practice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and get out there and get in front of people and and do what you're doing. And you you will learn. You will right. learn by doing. You will make a ton of mistakes. You will, um, you know, the are even even people who have been in the business for a really long time. It suddenly it changes. Suddenly yeah. everything goes to MP3 and is downloading, and the whole industry well, changed. Well, that's and- why you got to be creative because mm-hmm. you got to think. You have to have divergent thinking. You got to be able to think your way through problems with unique solutions. Yeah, yeah. So you don't need credentials to be a professional. 
What you need is to decide that you want this to be the way you make your living. Yep. You want to devote your life, your days, <laughs> your hours and your days to the work. And that's how you want to make your living at it. So you make this decision. You decide, okay, I'm going to be a professional artist. I'm going to be a professional musician. Well, then what happens? Right. Well, then you're you're working your butt off, right? And actually, I was listening to another podcast where the person on this podcast had decided after years of um, doing open mics and playing covers and sort of being a musician on the side, that they decided to become a musician, like to actually embrace that, to become professional, right? To say, hey, this is what I'm going to do uh, for my living. And so they made a decision about what they would do and what they wouldn't do, um, like how they wanted to show up as a musician. Do I want to spend my time doing covers all the time or do I want to actually make, do my own music and promote that? You know, so those are the kind of choices this person had to make. Um, and the other thing this person said was that it doesn't mean that you won't take a side job. So being professional doesn't mean that you don't ever do something else that isn't the main job. <laughs> I'm raising my hand here for everyone at home. Um, yeah, I mean, how many teachers paint houses in the summer or take on some kind of night job or take on, we're professionals, we've got credentials, you know, I've got a state license and all kinds of stuff. I work more than one job. Right. Right. And I'm an artist. I embrace being an artist. I, I teach. I make money. I sell my art. I teach yoga, too. Right. I teach yoga and mm -hmm. um, yoga helps pay the bills so that, you know, it's more than one job. So, you know, you, you're professional because you decide that this is the thing you want to pursue and make money. at. Right. And so, um, so then you're, you know, you're working your butt off. You're doing these things. And, and there are some benefits to doing that. Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. first of all, you kind of love what you're doing. Yeah. I mean, not to me, that's like the main benefit. Like, I can't imagine doing anything else but this yeah, <laughs> that well, I love to do. Like, it's really, it feeds me. Like, everything, and, my, and, and our daughter, we were, I was in the car this morning, and uh, she said, well, Mom, you, you make a living doing all the things you love. <laughs> and I'm like, that's so great that she sees that in me. Right. Um, because it's true. I mean, honestly, I have to kind of love what I do to do it all day. And when I love it, it doesn't ever feel like I'm doing a lot, a lot of work. So I say that, and there are times when I get tired and I need a break, but it doesn't ever feel like a burden. Yeah, I... Um... I think, yeah, I think you're you're actually the other direction where you were actually taking the time to not work is actually the challenge. Yeah, that is definitely the challenge for me. Yeah, I, yeah. I honestly, like, and I've said, it's been hard during the pan this pandemic because the way I take a break is by leaving <laughs> the house. Let's go on vacation. I don't know, let's go away for a day. Then I'm pretty certain to not really be on my email or to be working on the website or just in my studio, whatever it is I'm doing, I'm I'm not likely to do it if we go. And so we haven't been really been able to go anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. It's, <laughs> so so yeah, so those um I guess what we would call them those those day daycations, <laughs> the day day trips, the 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 little outings that we would we would do fairly regularly. I mean, it wasn't every weekend, but it was pretty close. Um, you know that we would go and just go somewhere. Um, yeah, we just 
that isn't existing yeah, I mean, right it's now. Maybe a few hours in the day on a weekend at best, but yeah. And even then, it's it's not quite the same. Yeah. You know, kind of getting away. So I mean, yeah, those definitely are the benefits. I know. Um, you know, when I I I made the conscious decision that I'm I'm going to be a music teacher. I'm not going to be a touring musician. I made that decision a long time well, ago. Well, that's and, what I was just talking about, like defining what it means, where your limits are. Right. What what kind of life you want to live within the professionalism? Right, exactly. And well, what I was what I was what I was getting at was that um, the you know as a uh, teaching privately, like I love teaching um, private lessons. I mean, I, I actually I believe one on one teaching is like the gold standard. You know, if you can meet with someone one on one, um, that is like the most. Uh, you know, kind of intimate and and best way to really address the um their learning style and their their needs as a as a student um and then uh but but what can you know what what's really great about that is that you're you know you you get to you get to work at that capacity what's hard about that is that you're making uh many individualized lessons and so um you know if you're teaching 20 or 25 students um, each week, you're making 20 to 25 different, you know, lesson plans um, for each of those times that you're you're together. That you know where you're going with that student at that moment, you know, every time. And that's that's a that can be pretty intense. Yeah. It's different than you know having a class mm -hmm. with 20 students in it. That's a different kind of intensity. You know, you've you you've got a plan. Maybe you've got you've planned out like what the next month with those group of kids is going to be, and then it's a little bit more classroom management versus individualized lesson planning. Yeah, I mean, I know that it seemed you know to me when I've done the individualized one-on-one -on -one kind of teaching, it I'm I don't do as as much planning as groups. Like maybe a little bit of planning. Um, I tend to want to be in the moment and, and respond to what is being presented or asked or, or what's coming up. Um, and sometimes there's some planning around that, but I, to me, I find that I'm a little bit more interested in what that person wants and basing the moment off of that than thinking, this is what we're doing today, folks. <laughs> and then yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, I guess. And what I mean by, by the, by the lesson planning is that a lot of times I have follow-up stuff where I might be producing uh, a document for the right. or a video for or answering a question for um you know a particular student um and that that is a a time frame outside of sort of the regular lesson time right. Right. um and so that you know that kind of work can get fairly intense but it's also extremely rewarding um when you you know when your students are, are really um improving and getting there and so, you know, that's the benefit, you know, is that you're doing this thing that you love. And, um, but there are also some limits. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, that's, that's probably like the biggest benefit is that you're doing the thing that you love. There's nothing better than making money at something that you just feel really good about and you love doing. Yeah. I, yeah, that's, that's it exactly. And, and there's also, there doesn't, they don't, there isn't the same professional pay cap right on being your own business right well yeah i mean that's a, there's definitely a it's an interesting place because <laughs> there's the idea that there isn't a pay cap but then there's the all constant idea that 
I could be doing more. I could be making more. And so it's kind of a weird space. Yeah. At least I find myself in that space, which I guess could shift into the idea of limits. There could be more benefits and maybe they'll arise. But to me, that's, that's just the biggest one that I, others aren't coming to mind at the moment. But the limits, yeah, the money piece is interesting because, well, the money piece is interesting because when you start putting a price tag on the thing you love, it changes your relationship to it a little bit. You know, I'm in other artist groups where we talk about this and there's the idea of, do I make the thing that makes the money or do I make the thing that I love, right? And so what does the audience want and what's going to sell? Like you can fall into that loop if you decide to become professional and you need to make money at this. And then it cannot feel like what you love, right? Like if you want need to make, like I don't love mass producing things. And, and so sometimes those things sell better so you have to decide, like, do I just want to make something because it makes money? Or, or is there another reason, um, you know, how can I make money doing what I love, but I don't have to, like, fall into this repetitive uh, mold-making sort of situation? Um, so, yeah, sometimes you can get a little stuck uh, around the money idea. Yeah, and um, I mean, I, and I suppose there could be a point where you get to a place where where you're no longer even making the thing that you are making, um, that you've hired it out. Yes. And actually other people are making what you And that happens to too when you get really professional. Yeah, you can yeah. – um, That ha my mother worked for somebody growing up where she – my mother was an independent contractor who, who sewed parts that were designed by somebody. So this person was the designer, but this person was not making all the parts. <laughs> yeah, they weren't. They weren't the uh, the the. Um, they weren't. It wasn't a complete one person show. There was Correct. a. It was kind of a, in a way. It was kind of like a, a small factory. It was just wasn't in a central location. The Correct, workers yeah. were all over the place. Yeah. And um, when they would finish their parts, they would deliver them to. Mm -hmm. um, yep. Yeah. So, yeah, the you, the money piece can be wonderful and limiting all at the same time. Yeah. So it's just something, you know, it's not something to get negative about, but it's just something to check in and be honest with yourself about. Um, yeah, because that's one of the, so one of the, one of the things that we, we talk about a lot is, you know, I have what I would consider to be a pretty secure job where I'm working for a school and I've been working for the same school for a really long time. And so there's, there's a lot of security in that. Um, there's also, you know, a certain level of frustration with that because it's, uh, it's not as, um, it, it's not as much of what I love as, as I, as it could be. And, um, but it's, it's consistent and it, right. you can count on it right. and, um, and there are benefits, you know, and there's that sort of thing. And when, when you are not employed in a job job, you know, you don't have an employer, then that is that can be pretty challenging. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because you have to make it all up yourself, right? Which, and I can speak to that. It it can feel daunting at times. Like it's all on me, and I have to keep like pushing it out. And that that can be a limit. Yeah. Um, you know, and and tying back to the idea of making the things that sells. Like you could make something that does sell well and then you could get stuck in it, right? Like mm -hmm. now I have to make this thing because it sells well, but I really want to make something else and I have no idea and maybe that's risky. And so I can, so being a professional could limit your creativity 
Yeah, you get stuck in a in a style or stuck in a genre. Yeah, it happens to musicians all the time. Um, you know, I, there's so many musicians who made it big doing one kind of music, and then and they want to do something a little different, and then their fans abandon them because they're not playing the kind of music that attracted the fans in the first place. And so you you have to decide. You know, am I? What am I doing? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's like when your favorite band makes an album that doesn't sound anything like the other ones, and you're like, what's going on? Mm -hmm. <laughs> they sold out or whatever. Right, they might right. be like, I don't know, we just wanted to make this album. And yeah, it can definitely be a limit. Um, and, and then there's the other side of that coin, where if you do not present a particular kind of style... Mm -hmm. Like if what you're making is all over the place, is, yeah, it's different <laughs> thing to thing to thing. That actually becomes really hard too, because people yeah. people need need to feel like they've they kind of need to know have a way to associate what you're doing with something else right. that already exists. Right? They want you to have some kind of niche, or they they want to be able to say like this is what this person does, and and that can be hard if if the creativity is sort of. All over the place. I mean, you can be creative in lots of ways, but if you're trying to make money doing all the twenty things, sometimes that you know that can be. Yeah, it can. That harder. can be challenging. That so there's that the idea of being stuck in a style, but then the the need for a box to at least put your style in. <laughs> well, this is the thing: is that too much structure can be oppressive to the creativity, but too little structure gives you no foundation. It gives you no stability. So that's, you know what, the, the really, I think the key to what being a professional is all about is that you need to have a sense of direction, a purpose, and like a mission in the work that you're doing. And you set a little bit of boundaries. You set a little bit of that box. It's a flexible box, but you just give yourself a little bit of, okay, this is what I do. And this is how I'm going to do it because these are the things that are important to me. And when you can come up with that, it guides you. It becomes like a compass to deciding like what you'll say yes to, what you'll say no to, what's worth your time, when do you need to take a break? Like these are the things that you kind of need to be clear about um, if you decide you want to be professional. And I think in order to feel successful, not just to be successful financially, but to feel like I like doing this and, and I'm going to keep at it. Yeah, you need to have... You need to have a, a a a way to be idiosyncratic within the genre that you're in, you know, to be able to create that delineation. But if you don't, if you don't even know what it is you're doing yet, if you haven't created that, you know, you haven't come to terms with that yet, then you really don't know what you're doing, mm -hmm. you know. And I I know for me, I I struggled with that for a really long time, where I just I, I would refuse to label what I was doing. And um, and it, it actually became really liberating to be able to say, no, I'm this. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying is like sometimes a little bit of structure, yeah. um, a little bit of definition yeah. can be really liberating, really helpful, yeah. especially if you're a professional, right? Uh, you know, so it, it, is, it is necessary. I think it is a necessary step. And it doesn't mean that those boundaries have to be like concrete walls, you know? Right, exactly. Um, but they, they can be helpful. And I think it's true with anything. Like no structure at all can just be 
way too open-ended mm-hmm. and too much structure um, cuts off your creativity. But that sweet spot in the middle, a little bit of structure with some wiggle room um, is kind of, I think, the professional's dream. Yeah, yeah, there it is. Exactly. So um, I don't I don't know, you know, where our listeners are at as far as, um, you know, what their, you know, kind of goals are for what it is they're making. But making the decision to do something um, beyond a hobby is... It's a big step. It's a big step. But it's worth it. Like if you decide, if mm-hmm. you know, you'll feel it. If you know that, you know, I think I want to do this, you'll get that little inkling inside. And if that's happening, then I just would say we would encourage you to, to do it. Yeah. To try it out. You don't have to give up all your jobs. <laughs> right. You know, if you decide that you want more time and, and that feels like the right choice and it seems right for your position and your family, then, you know, don't be afraid if it if the card's line up and it it feels like the right thing yeah we can say from our place that it's worth it it's totally worth it and you know there's there's a lot of things that don't you know if you're a musician Bandcamp is free to put your stuff up um you know you could open an itsy shop you know there's there's any number of ways Mm -hmm. that's the easiest way i would say is um you know having like an itsy shop if you don't want to start a website um there are lots of local artisan markets and uh, maker spaces you know there's lots of uh, venues and avenues for putting your work out there for teaching a class if you want to teach that thing that you've been doing for a long time um, check out maker spaces and community centers um, yeah you know if you have a you know, if you have an expertise in something, you may not even realize you have the expertise in it, but it might be something that you are, that you just happen to have a lot of experience mm-hmm. with. You know, then that kind of makes you credentialed. Yeah. Yeah, and you just, you got you, know, you got to put yourself out there and you just do it once and then you do it again and yeah. before you know that ball's rolling. That's it. We'll so, put a few resources in our... Um, in the show notes on our website for this episode, if you want to look into Bandcamp or Itzy or, you know, whatever it is, you know, we'll list a few things there. So check out, you know, Alter to the Muse, episode 13, uh, for those resources if you, too, want to be a professional. Yeah. All right. That sounds like a good place to end. So <laughs> until next time, thanks for listening. You have been listening to Alter to the Muse podcast, a production of Jai Studios, LLC. Visit us at altertothemuse.com for more.